Welcome to day 233 of Shaped by the Word, our third season. Uh, we've been reading through the story of prophets, and uh, we've uh, spent the last several weeks in the, in the prophecy of Jeremiah, uh, who is like Isaiah, transitional prophet, uh, taking Israel from the time when she's living comfortably in the land and uh, speaking to her about God's impending judgment. And of course, they ignore the message, and eventually judgment overtakes them, and Israel has moved into uh exile uh we read at the end of chapter one these are the final words or the here in the words of jeremiah and chapter 52 is just kind of a historical epilogue and it uh, rehearses for us one more time what we heard in uh, chapter 39 uh with a kind of a nice you know pleasant ending uh where there is a bit of hope so i know on the um, um on your app we've divided this up you know, in half I'm going to read this in sections. We'll read, uh, you know, through verse, you know, 30, 31, you know, and then uh, we'll finish, uh, you know, tomorrow picking up in 31 with just that last message of hope as we do so. Uh, But uh, we'll pick up in Jeremiah 52, the historical epilogue uh, to his prophecy. Uh, Before we, you know, before we read, uh, we always offer ourselves in this moment, you know, uh, to the Lord. Uh, We want to hear from him. We want to know him. We want to be formed by him so matthew do you mind lifting us up by the way i'm paul here with matthew david and his friend katie yeah, um, <laughs> yeah let's pray father we uh, do thank you for your word and on um, this time together in it we thank you that you've um, revealed yourself to us uh, and you continue to do so um, and so we ask for that to be true of our time together that by your spirit you would reveal your heart and character to us help us to behold wonderful things and to be transformed into the image of your son as we read. Yeah, so, Father, we, we are just grateful for this time. Uh, we ask that you would uh, draw near and meet with us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jeremiah 52. And Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. His mother's name was Hamutah, a daughter of Jeremiah. She was from Libna. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, just as Jehoiakim had done. It was because of the Lord's anger that all this happened to Jerusalem and Judah, and in the end he thrust them from his presence. Now Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon, so in the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, on the tenth day of the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, marched against Jerusalem with his whole army, then camped outside the city and built siege works around it. The city was kept under siege until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. By the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine in the city had become so severe that there was no food for the people to eat. Then the city wall was broken through and the whole army fled. They left the city at night through the gate between the two walls near the king's garden, though the Babylonians were surrounding the city. They fled to the Arabah, but the Babylonian army pursued King Zedekiah and overtook him in the plains of Jericho. All his soldiers were separated from him and scattered, and he was captured. He was taken to the king of Babylon at Riblah in the land of Hamath, where he pronounced sentence on him. There at Riblah, the king of Babylon killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. He also killed all the officials of Judah. Then he put out Zedekiah's eyes, bound him with bronze shackles, and took him to Babylon, where he put him in prison till the day of his death. On the tenth year of the fifth month, in the nineteenth year, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuzaradan, commander of the imperial guard, who served the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He set fire to the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every important building he burned down. The whole Babylonian army, under the commander of the imperial guard, broke down all the walls around Jerusalem. 
Nebuzaradan, the commander of the guard, carried into exile some of the poorest people and those who remained in the city along with the rest of the craftsmen and those who had deserted to the king of Babylon. But Nebuzaradan left behind the rest of the poorest people in the land to work the vineyards and the fields. The Babylonians broke up the bronze pillars, the movable stands, the bronze sea. They were at the temple of the Lord, and they carried all the bronze to Babylon. They also took away the pots, the shovels, the wick trimmers, sprinkle balls, dishes, and all the bronze articles used in temple service. The commander of the imperial guard took away the basins, the censers, the sprinkling bowls, the pots, the lampstands, dishes, and bowls used for drink offerings, all that were made of pure gold or silver. The bronze from the two pillars, the sea, and the twelve bronze bowls under it, and the movable stand which King Solomon had made for the temple of the Lord was more than could be weighed. Each pillar was 18 cubits high and 12 cubits in circumference. Each was four fingers thick and hollow. The bronze capital on top of one of the pillars uh, was five cubits high, and it was decorated with network of pomegranates and bronze all around. The other pillar with its pomegranates was similar. There were 96 pomegranates on the side. The total number of pomegranates above the surrounding network was 100. The commander of the guard took its prisoner, Sariah, the chief priest, Zephaniah, the priest next in rank, and the three doorkeepers. Of those still in the city, he took the officers in charge of the fighting men and seven royal advisors. He also took the secretary who was, in char- was the chief officer in charge of conscripting the people of the land, 60 of whom were found in the city. Nebuzaradan, the commander, took them all and brought them to the king of Babylon at Riblah. There at Riblah, in the land of Hamath, the king had them executed. So Judah went into captivity away from her land. This is the number of the people Nebuchadnezzar carried into exile. In the seventh year, 3,023 Jews. In Nebuchadnezzar's 18th year, 832 people from Jerusalem. In his 23rd year, 745 Jews taken into exile by Nebuzaradan, the commander of the Imperial Guard. There were 4,600 people in all. You have a very you know detailed description of the uh, you know the bronze pillars uh, you know that were eighteen you know cubics high, well over sixty feet you know, in, in our measure, and then you have the beautiful network of the pomegranates, and uh, what you hear in this is the former glory is gone, that it has been you know totally destroyed. Uh, so much bronze, they didn't have a scale you know that uh, that could weigh it or weights and measures that they could put against it. Uh, in order to weigh it. And of course, you have these famous, you know, gold and silver cups, which we'll find, you know, again, in the prophecy of, you know, uh, you know, Daniel, uh, in that fateful banquet uh, where God writes on the wall, and there's an end to the Babylonian empire. And that, uh, so you do have, you know, just kind of a sad story of a once great city reduced absolutely to nothing. And You'll remember through Kings and Chronicles all the cedar that was imported in order to build these wonderful palaces and this temple and all of these things. And, of course, cedar just makes excellent kindling. Mm-hmm. So all the stones are removed and it's uh, burned to the ground. And, and as we you know, get into Lamentations, this is going to be the last thing that these people see. And you're going to see the vividness of the destruction of the city you know, as they mourn over it mm-hmm. throughout the week. Yeah, I was going to say you know not that it's a fitting inclusion to the book but in in some ways it is you know we read this and we see it's not just because babylon was stronger than judah that they conquered him but because all along we've been hearing that it was because of judah's unfaithfulness and their breaking the covenant and their unfaithfulness to god that god's going to hand them over you know to the hands of, of babylon and so you see you know we i mean yeah jeremiah has been sprinkled with you know hope along the way but 
ultimately we get a, a sad end, you know, an end that's just, this is what the covenant unfaithfulness, you know, has resulted in that Israel has been cast out of the land, out of the promise, you know, of, of blessing in, you know, in the presence of God. Uh-huh. And instead they are experiencing God's judgment. And he had been so richly blessed. Uh, and now, you know, they're reduced to, you know, to ashes. And of course, in limitations, we'll read that everyone who passes by is appalled, you know, at what they see and uh, in the memory, you know, of the glory that once was. And even as you move to the end of the Old Testament, the people are back in the land and they have rebuilt the temple, but it's such a shadow of its former glory. Uh, you know, that the people weep. And so we have a people who are, who are really uh, in, you know, waiting in the devastation of the destruction of Jerusalem and God's judgment, waiting for the return of God, you know, to Mount Zion, uh, which happens when a carpenter mounts a small coat and mm-hmm. rides into the city, you know, to acclamation of Hosea, Hosanna as mm-hmm. the one who comes, you know, in the name of the, in the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So it is a, uh, it is a, uh, a hanging ending. Uh, we're, uh, we're in devastation of our sin, uh, soon to be redeemed and restored, you know, in, in the city of the new city, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven in Revelation. Now, these sacred objects that were carried off, I mean, were many of them brought back when King Cyrus let them come back? Um, it seems like they might have been kept. I mean, I know that my note says... Um, they're later brought out for Belshazzar's ill-fated feast and Daniel before being repatriated with the returning exiles during the reign of Cyrus. And that's Ezra one seven. So I was just thinking, I was just processing as, as we read and thinking about if they were brought back, it's interesting that the Lord didn't let these objects just be um, melted in the fire, but were carried off later to be brought back almost like a picture of him, like keeping the remnant, for himself you know that's i mean y'all might think that's a reach but i think it's kind of cool how they weren't destroyed in the fire they were carried off and to all of us it might seem like devastation and it was in that moment but they were still later brought back to be used um back where they where they came from so yeah. that was you know of course articles like that would have originally been placed in the temples uh, you know of the gods of babylon as trophies mm-hmm. uh you know and as uh a symbol of their, you know, their conquering and receiving bounty from the God of Israel, even. Uh, but King Cyrus, you know, and obviously Belshazzar, you know, thinks it's a cool thing to mock, you know, the God of Israel and the God of other nations as he drinks from these. And God's judgment that we've been reading out about in these last two chapters on Babylon does take place, you know, in that moment, that very evening, you know, Babylon is, to- is toppled. Um, but they do have, you know, the, the picture of God, you know, preserving for himself the heritage of his people and mm-hmm. being restored under under Cyrus. And I think that utensils were, you know, restored, I, uh, not so much the bronze and the sea and, mm-hmm. you know, the, those kinds of, you know, those kinds of sure. things as well. Which is, by the way, too heavy to be weighed anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> too that is pretty amazing, though, for fingers thick, yeah. you know, iron <laughs> capitals. That's meant. And one of the things that keeps grabbing me as we have read the prophets is, you know, you do get to see the heart and desire that God wants for his people and, and the, the vision or that he wants for them to be in, among the nations and the blessing that they're going to be. And then even in this recap here, you just get that hard reminder that they're so far away from from what he wants them to be and, and what they could be. And they've drifted so far from his heart and his desire for them. 
And so that's always just a sobering thing to think about that, you know, even what what Christ is at once for his church and, and for his body and how so often we just come so short of that. And yeah, that just seems to be one of those patterns throughout the Bible time and time again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We live in the ruins of our own, uh, our own destruction you know, at yeah. times. And um, John, I mean, we were just reading John 2 in our community group and where Jesus says, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. Just makes me think about how utter, the utter destruction that the temple underwent um, and more than once, right? I mean, the temple never came back to, like you said, its former glory, but that Jesus is the fulfillment of that of the temple and now i mean, god has made his um home in us too and i just think that's beautiful to know that because of the death and resurrection of jesus like the he did rebuild it and he has built it in us and his people what a what a huge gift that is to us and and the glory of the latter temple is greater than that of the former Mm -hmm. as beautiful as it was uh, you know it's a a portrait of how elegant his work in salvation is in, in us. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you are a God who is uh, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And yet we are reminded as we read this, even in, in, in the very same breath, you say, yet you will not leave our sins unpunished. And uh, Father, we realize that uh, what we take for granted is such a precious gift that you uh, took uh the transgressions that weighed us down and placed them on him. And you have redeemed us and you have forgiven us and called us in grace to know you. What a fortunate people we are to have a God like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.